You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, time for a Thursday edition of Locked On Syracuse, sponsored today by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you tim leonard tyler rocky it is the locked on syracuse podcast you can follow the show on twitter at lo underscore syracuse or just search were we getting a scoop the other day tim? yeah well, well, i think we got a scoop we gotta yesterday. get to that in the later half of the show we're gonna have some fun in the back half do some news and notes as we're calling it kind of a new segment where we just basically catch you guys up on anything that you might have missed that were kind of smaller stories but could turn into bigger stories and we'll probably do that maybe once a week going forward because it seems like we've we've obviously had to talk a ton of football lately, and then we've gotten in this habit of where we're like, oh, we haven't had any time to talk about this or any time to talk about that. So, which is kind of the reverse problem we had in the summer, right? Now, now it's actually yeah. a big problem to have. <laughs> but anyway, we will kind of catch you up on some of the little stories, uh, different things. John Wildhack made a pretty important announcement, some recruiting news, and. And like you said, there there was a scoop that dropped from from a certain Syracuse commit. So we will get to that. Also, Syracuse Lax, back. Yes, Syracuse back. Lax is back. reeling in recruits. Back. Yeah, F- don't fire John Desco just yet. We, we can have some fun and talk about that in the latter half. But I think uh, you watched the film back. I know we had already watched most of the film back when we talked yeah. on Monday. You really went uh, deep into the film today. You were telling me. Yeah, I did a little snap tracking. Yeah. Okay. And I've started to derive this from what happened in that game against UNC. I think the offensive line did enough to give that team a chance to win. Now, UNC, a very good team, as we know. A top 25 team. What are they now up to? Like 13? Yeah, 13. Again, the, the rankings are weird right now because... The Big Ten and Pac-12 are out of it. Well, and Big Ten's back. going to be pumped yeah. back into it soon. So <laughs> right. we'll see how all that goes. But yeah, so UNC, a very good team. And they were probably going to win that game anyway. But when you're pointing out, and again, we went through this a little bit with our blame pie back on Monday's show. But I left the offensive line out. And right after you put them in, I was kind of like, ah, yeah, I should have put them in. I, that kind of slipped my mind. But I'm looking through it now. DeVito had plenty of time to... Okay, I won't say plenty of time to throw by the traditional pocket. Because what do you say? It's usually you want to give your quarterback four seconds to throw. Yeah. Now, he wasn't getting four seconds to throw. But the way that the Syracuse offense is tailored, you don't need four seconds to throw. Think about Eric Dungy when he was having all the success. And I even went to the extent of I went back and watched the Eric Dungy game against NC State. Wow. And I think that game is the best offensive game Syracuse has played under Dino Babers. The best. When you consider opponent, the amount of points scored, the success, all that stuff. That's the best game Syracuse has had under Dino Babers. That's a baller Dungy performance. Fresh off that, of that, yeah. the whole Getting talk. benched. Yeah, of getting benched. Right. It should be Tommy's team. You go, I mean. yeah, you clinch a bowl that game. Uh, it, that's one of my favorite games of the Dino Babers era. Yeah. Anyway, I went back and watched that game. Eric Dungy never needs more than two to three seconds to throw the ball. So what that tells you is that 
That's kind of how this offense flows. That's what you do to have success in this offense. And I also forgot in that game that Tommy DeVito came in for a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, it's I don't, weird. I can't remember the exact nature right of it. Right at the end of the first half. He came in, and he just looks super confident. The first pass he throws is a 20-yard strike over the middle to Jamal Custis. Oh, and then I think the next pass he throws, he forces a, a defensive pass interference for Taj way downfield. He looks fearless, and he looks like he's not running for his life. Now, last year, he was kind of running for his life. But this year, and again, we're looking at a sample size of one, but this year, I don't think he needed to, to run for his life. So I went back, rewatched every offensive snap where DeVito was on the field, and I came away with some of these numbers, okay? So again, they, there's like the official stats, and then there's going to be the stats that I'm kind of gathering, what I'm seeing. The eye test, so by the, yeah. Yeah, by the innate definition of a pressure, it may not actually be a pressure to the way that my eyes see it, okay? So the fr- true pressures that I saw, where it was an offensive line-induced pressure, I only saw three. And the first one came with 649 in the first quarter. So how about that? The offensive line played that well, in my opinion, where that's the first time. And again, the clean pockets, so I think he took 51 snaps, okay? He got a clean pocket on 28 of them. Now, wow. he did get sacked four and a half. Well, okay, so I have also, I've got sacks that are DeVito's fault, sacks that are the offensive line's fault. I have one and a half that's DeVito's fault, four and a half that's the offensive line's fault. And there was a really bad one. In fact, there was a three-man rush one time. Luke Benson's I know which player you're talking about, yeah. It, it, <laughs> he gets called for a hold on it, too. But he's one of the guys picking up one of the three. So you've got six on two, six off or five offensive linemen, and then I can't remember which running back was in the backfield. But they're in charge of chipping right there. And DeVito gets sacked. There's a hold on the play as well. But the first six dropbacks that DeVito faced were clean. Now, I also have him getting five snaps where he was pressured and then escaped the pressure and created a positive play. He did some good things with his yeah, life in this game. Yeah. And then on top of that, Bad decision pressures where, sure, okay, maybe there's a little bit of pressure coming up the middle, but DeVito could have done more to avoid the pressure, get outside the pocket, make something happen. There was one play where his weak side was wide freaking open, and he could not identify that, and he it, he ends up taking, um, he ends up throwing it, or no, he takes a sack instead of potentially, and I think this was a third down too, instead of potentially creating some sort of play. And then there's another one where, and this was a goal line play, where he escapes out of the pocket and then just falls on falls on it. And I didn't understand that. And he takes the stack, the sack instead of throwing it away. Now, the the two yards between, I think it was like the five and the seven or whatever, don't really mean a whole lot when you're kicking a field goal. But it's just the, the those are bad habits that need to be kicked. Those are not the plays that are made by a redshirt junior. Those are not the plays made by a junior in high school at the quarterback position. So that needs to get better. And I just think that when you look at the offense, and there are some fantastic stats as well from Sports Info Solutions. So SU was pressured on 15 of 51 dropbacks. That's 29.4%. And that's the fifth lowest rate among the 11 ACC teams that played so far in 2020. So the offensive line actually gave DeVito some chances to throw the ball. I think this comes down to the larger point of he needs to be more accurate with the ball when he's given the opportunity to make a play. 
This is starting to become a DeVito thing. And that's what's really frustrating about this is because we never expected to have problems with Tommy DeVito. Syracuse was supposed to be a well-oiled machine with a hotshot quarterback, but instead, TD McCoy comes through the door, (laughs) and now we're looking at problems at the quarterback position. It's inaccuracy. It's the inability to throw the deep ball. The deep ball, it felt like, was a strength once upon a time. Now it feels like it's pulling teeth trying to get him to complete a deep ball. All right, so a a lot that you said there I think I agree with. I, I will say when I watch back the film, I felt like the offensive line started the game out a little shakier than they ended it, and DeVito started the game out actually better than he ended it, if that makes sense. So I don't know if you had the same okay. reaction. It, it, you're on to something, though, with the seconds per play, because when you watch other quarterbacks, when you watch Eric Dungy from the old tape, when you watch DeVito in 2018. Yeah, no, take, take DeVito. I even watched back all of his snaps from the UNC game. He had deep ball accuracy. He looked for second It's a options. different now, player he almost. D- he did have a little bit of time, a little more time to look for that second options, but he would make smart decisions on a whim too. He had a couple bad passes here and there, but he would scramble out of the pocket. He knew when to throw the ball away, all that stuff that makes a good quarterback. He was executing it. He made throws even when there was pressure around him. Now, he tucks his tail and and goes Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and just takes the sack. And that's the thing that's frustrating is the development hasn't been there. And you'd figure that would have been something that would have been shored up by now. And, oh, by the way, we're going to get to this, but Pittsburgh is going to blitz a ton. And if there's one thing to know about Pittsburgh, they have literally one of the best pass rushes in the entire country. They led the nation last year. In Saxburg game, eight starters are back on defense. They have all different types of blitz packages. That's why it feels like a nightmare matchup. Also, when you watch Sam Howell on the other side, you can notice that he's just more aware of, of picking up blitzes and understanding what the pocket is and just has a better sense of awareness in the pocket as a whole and makes better reads as a quarterback. All right, obviously 2020 has been a weird time for everyone and it's changed our lives. Maybe some smaller things, some bigger things we are doing differently now. For me, one thing I picked up on in this quarantine time period is rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years I've gone to them several times to get new, well-priced auto parts for my Jeep, get it ready for inspection, make sure it passes inspection because that was looking a little dicey at times. The car's getting a little older, my Jeep, but it has made it through thanks to rockauto.com. And I don't just say this because they sponsored the podcast. It really has been great. And I really think going forward, even when we do return to whatever normal is, I'm just going to keep going to rockauto.com because it's way better than going to the auto parts store, dealing with that hassle, dealing with them looking on their interface, which is the exact same as you can get at rockauto.com, and then them telling you, okay, we'll order the part, come back in five to seven days, whatever. You can just skip that step. You can go to rockauto.com right now. Once you go there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put Locked On. And the How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. It's frustrating because DeVito, we thought, could be Sam Howell. And DeVito should be further along in his process than Sam Howell. I will say this. I'm surprised to hear your numbers on the offensive line because... I still put 50% of the blame on the O-line when we did the pie chart. And when I watched back the film, I still did feel like, well, DeVito 
could have made better m- moves at times, and he did miss some openings. I mean, we got to give him the, the we got to look at it and realize that when you stop and freeze frame and slow down these still images, play by play, shot by shot. A quarterback's going to make mistakes. I mean, go look at... Yeah, it's the nature yeah, of it. Yeah, Drew Brees. The Monday morning anyway. quarterbacking surely can come out, but at the same time, you've been in the system a while. Oh, yeah. It, this is not some some sort of new thing you're trying to learn right here. I, I would put it this way. I'd give DeVito like a D grade for the UNC game, and I'd give the offensive line like a C plus or a C minus. I, I feel like the, the offensive line deserves still a lot of the blame. It's just... You know what I'll say with the O-line? What? If we're handing out grades here, I'll give the O-line a B for pass protection. The run protection, you're getting a D, okay? Because yeah. I, I spit out that one stat, but they also, another offensive line stat for you here, Syracuse averaged .2 yards before contact per rush, second worst in the ACC. So you're getting like two feet, not even two feet, and and you're getting dinged a little bit. And you saw that. And I think part of it, too, is on the running backs. felt like they're choosing to run into walls at some points. But I also think that this offensive line, they did almost everything that was asked of them in pass protection. They gave DeVito see, a I wouldn't go to that succeed. far. I- it was the accuracy. And again, I'm starting to see these, and maybe it's a PTSD thing for me, but I'm seeing shades of Mitchell Trubisky in Tommy <laughs> DeVito. That's not And good. I think Taj Harris is his A-Rob, his Allen Robinson. He's going to make a lot of plays for him. He's going to pick up yards after the catch. But the amount of times that I've seen Allen Robinson snag a ball out of bounds because it was so off target, that's what I saw to Taj Harris. I mean, think about how many times that happened in this past game. I think there were like three or four instances where if DeVito just had the ball on the money, it would have been a completion and a big completion at that for Taj Harris. But because he's he's throwing balls that are not catchable in bounds, you're not giving your receiver a chance to make a play on it. Okay, so here's where I stand after watching back the film and tweeting out that stuff, breaking it down from DeVito's perspective. I thought DeVito, when the pocket was clean, was not good enough. He was, especially on third downs, he really struggles on third down for whatever reason. I think it has to be part mental, part I understand this play is bigger, and he just gets a little more tense, a little more tight. I mean, that's natural, right? So he struggles more on those plays. When the pocket was clean, he struggled. I actually thought... The offensive line did not provide a clean pocket as much as I think your stats would indicate. Now, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of like eye test on those stats a little bit. I would still just say, let's not pretend that the O-line is getting better or anything. I mean, they got Chris Elmer The O-line did not... The O-line wasn't going to win them the game. DeVito had to win them that game, okay? But the offensive line gave gave DeVito enough time to succeed. Because again, w- with the Syracuse offense, watch any Eric Dungy game, watch some of the games of the past. You need only two, three seconds. That ball's got to get out quick. That's how this offense flows. That's how it functions. That's how it catches these teams off guard. That's where the speed comes in. The orange is the new fast. That's where it kicks in here. And DeVito's just holding on to the ball for too long. Now, maybe part of that is the receivers aren't getting open enough in time. But that's where the second reads come in. And 
DeVito's just like, and you, you've detailed this very well on your Twitter account at Tim underscore Leonard four. The, the fact that he is so locked into one read is what's going to hold this team back from achieving a lot of things in the passing game. Yeah. I'd put it this way. I don't think DeVito's, I, I know I said he just doesn't have it yesterday as an overreaction. Like it wouldn't totally shock me if he clicked it into gear against Pittsburgh. No, it well maybe not against Pittsburgh because yeah. of how good they are on but the defensive going line. Forward. But later on the season, right. I think because he's we've got seen it, it in him. I mean, it's there. Yes, we know it's in I, him. I, I literally, if you want to watch Devito having it, go watch the couple snaps he took against NC State. Go watch the game against UNC. Yeah. It's a totally different quarterback. And the circumstances are relatively the same. He's running the same offense. Sure, the receiving group is a little bit different. But hey, there's still a little Taj Harris here and there. There's still Nikeem Johnson and some of these other players that that he has succeeded with. They're younger, too. So at this point, those guys have developed a little bit. And it feels like they're held back because of the fact that DeVito's just not throwing an accurate ball right now. I mean, that's what it comes down to for me is his accuracy is not nearly what it was from a couple seasons ago. Right, my prediction for this pit game is we get on on Monday and Tuesday and we just talk about how bad the offensive line is. I, I really think that has a better shot of sustaining. You know, I don't think I'm going to take much away from this pit from the upcoming pit game. I really don't think I will. Yeah, because but of the fact Pitt's that the defense is so that disruptive. I mean, their defense no, they is are, too good. but they're going to expose a lot of offensive lines. I mean, it's not just going to be Syracuse. Now, something also worth noting here is the fact that. This pit off or defensive line only picked up three sacks against Austin P. So I don't know if they're going to change the schemes or, or if that's just the way that they game plan for a, an oppo- a much lesser opponent, a non-conference opponent. But when Syracuse comes to play, when the game actually matters for Pitt, I wouldn't be surprised if they ramp it up, especially since they know that this offensive line can really only hold a block for three-ish seconds. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the the news and notes portion of this. We'll get you guys all caught up on everything that kind of happened, some of the little stories from this week that are football related and non-football related. All right, we're going to wrap up the show with some news and notes, a very uncreative name for this segment, but basically just little stories that are going on, catch you guys up in case you missed some of these little things. We'll start with one of the, one that was pretty close to us and the Locked On Syracuse Twitter account. This was, if, in case anyone didn't see it, was I believe on Wednesday we tweeted out that the Syracuse 2021 football class is 45th in the country. That would be their best class, according to 24-7 Sports, since 2007, which is almost 15 years ago now. It's on pace to be a great class. We've talked about them a lot. Deuce Chestnut, one of the headliners that I put in the little Twitter graphic, Twitter photo, quote tweets us and basically was calling out what we think is one of his teammates, a defensive back at his high school in Camden, by the name of Elijah Clark, who currently is committed to Rutgers, but Syracuse has expressed interest in him. Syracuse has offered him in the past a very solid defensive back. Clark is a safety who is a four-star according to Rivals and a high-end three-star according to 247sports.com. And it looks like... He's ranked right around Deuce. Yeah, right, which would be just another great high-end three-star to add to this class. It would give us six or seven that would be big headline guys. But 
It seems like Deuce is is kind of trying to get in the scoops game. We, we were calling him out back yeah, on Twitter. It was fun. Yeah, he he's out scooping Goody out here, and I know Goody's <laughs> not in the scoops game. Right. He, he'll remind us every time. Uh, we, we even brought this up in the chat, like, oh, you're getting out scooped by Deuce, man. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, but this this would be a pretty big ad for this team. And I know Justin Lampson, um, he, he even tweeted, and it was kind of prodding at him, too. He quote tweeted Deuce's quote tweet. So... The, yep. the pressure's on, and, and again, we're going to social Sherlock right here, Tim. I, I told you, look at Elijah uh, Elijah Clark's likes. Yeah, and looking good. It's all it's a lot of a lot of Syracuse stuff, a lot of stuff prodding him over to the orange. Right. So if you want to check that out, you can uh, put your Sherlock hat on if you'd like. And also to social Sherlock some more. Wasn't there a Rutgers coach who was kind of hinting yeah. at number five? Yes. What was that exactly? Yeah, he's like, if you take five, we'll take two from you. So basically saying like, okay, if you take, if you take, uh, Clark, if you take Clark from us, what we're going to take deuce from you right back. And it's like, I I would feel so bad for Rutgers. You know, all the players that have transferred away from Rutgers before they even play a snap there. Yeah. It's Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, um, Stevie Scott. Um, by the way, speaking of Stevie Scott, did you see who's on this pit roster this year or for this upcoming game? No, I didn't. Servassier Dennis. Does that oh name ring a gosh. bell for you? Wow. What is that? He's CBA. Yeah. I want to say he, he was. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's currently second on the, like a second string linebacker for, for Pitt this weekend. Huh. Okay. Well, I know they have, uh, Abinconda who was a big time Syracuse target. He's been playing a little bit for them at running back, but we'll detail Pitt tomorrow. Um, what do you have on the news and net news and notes agenda over there? Well, so Syracuse, the again, 2022 feels like Syracuse's year. In the class of 2022 for lacrosse, Joey Spalina is joining the Orange, the number one wow. recruit in the country. John Desco, seat just got a little cooler over there. <laughs> Obviously, we're kidding about the fire Desco stuff. Although, some people that... I don't care. I, I have no dog in this right, fight. Right, yeah. Some people Lacrosse, would, uh, just lacrosse. Right. Just... Do do your lax things. Yeah. Well, they're they're heading back in the right direction, I think, recruiting wise. They got Chase Scanlon last year, and who knows? I mean, maybe last year could have been the year for them that a lot of people have been waiting on. So good to see that they're they are pulling in a lot of big name recruits in that twenty twenty two class. Twenty twenty two, just a good year for Syracuse Athletics all around. Hopefully Dino can add to his good twenty twenty one class as well. All right, another news and notes. How about this from John Wildhack? A $1 million donation out of his own pocket. How about it? To the SU Athletics program. Talk about putting your money where your mouth is. That is, I've never seen that from an athletic director. And props to him for doing it. I don't really know how this works. Does that mean that he just gives them a million tomorrow? Or do they just take it out of his salary and he doesn't get paid for a while? (laughs) Like, I have questions, but... The bottom line is it's a good move from him as a leader, and I was happy to see that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and even friend of the program, Justin Knight, says, I don't know if there's another athletic director that would ever do something like that. So it shows that he cares about these kids. He cares about this program. And it's really good to see that because, again, Syracuse could use some some facelifts in the facilities and in some of the other facets of bringing in top-notch recruits. And especially on the football side of things, I would hope a lot of that $1 million goes into the football program. Hopefully he saw what happened down at Chapel Hill, was so fed up, pulls out the checkbook, and is going to write a a cool one mil. And hopefully there's some others that follow suit. Listen, Tim, you and I aren't millionaires over here. I don't think we could combine our net worths and even sniff 
even come close to sniffing half a million. But with with what uh, with Wild Hack doing this, it's a good sign for this program, and and it shows that he cares. Not just that he cares, but think about the guys who preceded him. When you've got guys who are bailing out early on you, good point. you're not just yeah. shelling out a million dollars if you're not in it for the long haul. Yeah. And I think, and we talked about this with Wild Hacks extension, or I talked about this with Wild Hacks extension, and he's done a lot of really great things for this program, for this entire Syracuse athletics program. And this is just another little check mark next to his name on his resume. All right, and then a couple other college basketball notes here. Uh, Kansas has offered Roddy Gale, who is, of course, a guy that we both really like and seems like Syracuse is in maybe the catbird seat, maybe not. They're, they're looking good for Roddy Gale, fingers crossed. So Kansas has now thrown their name in the ring for a 2022 guy. And also the NCAA has announced their start date, November 25th, according to a lot of reports. And it seems like that will be right around the Thanksgiving time, of course, when I believe they said 76% of campuses that have Division One basketball teams will have no students on the campus or will be doing remote learning during that period. So I think it makes sense. I think props to the NCAA for starting it then in that kind of golden window that a lot of people have called it where... You can probably keep the COVID cases down, hopefully, and get off to a smooth start to the season. No word on what it means for Syracuse's schedule. We'll obviously monitor that, but it looks like the regular season is going to be four less games than normal, so that's interesting. And I did see a couple of tweets, a couple of people reporting that the Power Conference teams might do conference only still. That is still in the works. So, of course, I'm kind of hoping there is some non-conference, but we'll keep monitoring that. And also, in more basketball news here, how about Syracuse is going to have a player in the NBA Finals yeah. after the uh, the Nuggets pulled off the improbable victory over the Clippers. I don't know how the NBA refs let that happen, <laughs> but Jeremy Grant, Dion Waiters, both going to be facing off in the Western Conference Finals. That means someone's punching their ticket into the NBA Finals, so that's going to be really cool to see. I, I'm kind of pulling for the Nuggets just because Jeremy's going to play yeah, me too. a hell of a lot more than Dion Waiters is. But also on top of that, remember, we I think we brought this stat up on the show when it first got unearthed by Mike Waters from the Syracuse Post Standard and that no Syracuse players have ever matched up in an NBA playoff series until this year when Waiters played... Uh, Carmel Anthony oh, wow. in, in that yeah. Lakers Portland. That's matchup. such a crazy stat. How does that happen? And yeah, I could not believe that at the time. And now we're going to get a second matchup here. So that's just 2020 in a nutshell right now. And then did you see this? Joe Gerard the third goes on. I think it was his Instagram story yeah. and is teasing those script jerseys. The best uniforms. Back. Gosh, that'd be awesome. Best uniforms in all of Syracuse athletics. And they're up there for for best in all of college basketball. I think it's like those Carolina, Ohio State has their scripts that are fantastic as well. I always said for that Big Ten ACC Challenge game when they played the Buckeyes a couple years ago, I wanted script on script. Oh, man, that would be good. That would have been awesome. And then there's also like the old school Michigan State ones too that I love. So so there's, there's some really good ones out there, but they're definitely, they're in the team photo of that. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, and we're going to do our full preview of Pittsburgh. We did this last week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We basically 
run through what Syracuse has to do to win the game, what Pittsburgh will have to do to avoid the upset. Then we'll give our predictions. We'll do our prop shot. We'll, we'll have some fun with some fun different bets that we'll be monitoring throughout the game. We'll get you caught up on the results from last week. So we'll look forward to doing that every... And guess what, Tim? Yeah. Guess what? What? You, we say it's a Friday pod, but exactly. be on the lookout because it's going to come out later tonight just because we want to give you all the intel of Pitt, get it to you a little bit early. So be on the lookout. That should be in your feeds a little bit later tonight as opposed to Monday morning right. or Friday morning. Exactly. That's a good point because we understand that one has a little less time for you to digest all of our nonsense here before the game starts and then it becomes kind of irrelevant. So be on the lookout for that on Thursday night, getting you ready for the Pittsburgh game on Saturday. And of course, follow our Twitter account at LO underscore Syracuse. For Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.